You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. This week we continue the Share the Dream series with a message from Pastor Rick about all the things God has blessed us with to help us live out our faith. We started every one of these sermons with one of our 2911 scriptures. Did y'all notice that uh, so far? Okay, y'all have been noticing that? Okay, so today is Psalm 2911. It says, the Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. We are blessed and not just with peace. That's one of the big things. It's like everybody's got junk, right? As I was saying a few moments ago. But we've got that peace that even when we're dealing with our junk, our stuff, we're dealing with all that stuff, we're dealing with that, that we got the peace that everything's going to be all right and we got the help through all that. We, we'll get in... Get into that just a little bit more here, but first let me give you my premise. Here's my premise for my sermon today, is that we already have everything we need to build the life that God dreams for us to have. We already have that. It's already there. You don't have to chase it. You don't have to ask God to make it. It is already there. It's all, Okay, so we're going to dig into that, and then you're going to see a little bit more of that, but let, let me just lay it out for you here just a little bit. Like, God has given us some things that we need that we have. Now, I'll tell you this. I started to say that we already have everything we need for the dream life. But instead, I chose to say we already have everything we need to build the life that God dreams for us to have. And I know some of you might, might say, well, that, that um, you'd rather have the, dream, the, the life that you're dreaming instead of the, the life that God's dreaming. Now, let me tell you why I didn't say it that way. The reason I didn't say that you, can, you already have everything you need to build the dream life is because you don't dream big enough. None of us do. Because you know what happens is we see some circumstances going around us or we hit a wall here or there and say, okay, maybe I can push through this wall a little bit, but we say that wall, maybe I can get up to here and we start limiting the dream. How, how big can you dream? I can dream pretty big, but I can't dream anywhere near as big as God can dream. And he's dreaming for me. And so my premise then to you is, is that we already have everything we need to build the life that God is dreaming for us. A God-sized dream life. That's what we're talking about here, okay? Not just the the things you think about, but I'm talking about the God-sized dream life that he can give you. We already have all of that stuff. Already have it. Okay, so here's some of the things. Just just for instance, like, like the Bible, you know, God's Word. We have that. Let's look at the back side of this, kind of backwards, and maybe it'll help us see how much of a blessing that is. Can you imagine Christianity, trying to live a Christian life today, can you imagine Christianity without the Bible? Imagine there is no Bible. There is no Word. You don't have an app on your phone. You don't have a, a Bible laying on your nightstand at home. There's no Bible. Imagine, what, what, what's Christianity? How, how would you even know what to do? How would you make it? You, you don't have the ability to go to the Word of God and, and, and find some direction. You don't have the ability to go to the Word of God just for some encouragement because we don't have it. See, that, that, that helps us understand, wow, what a blessing the Word of God is. You know, or, 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 or like we talked last week about being chosen. We talked last week about being chosen. One of the things about being chosen is that we have an invitation to be in the presence of God. Imagine this then. What if we didn't have that? What if... God never hears us. What if we sing and sing and sing and sing, like we come together and we sing on Sunday morning, and God doesn't hear us? God says, I'm not going to listen to anything you sing. I'm not going to listen to any praise you give me. 
And, and, and instead of listening to our prayers, what if God says, I'm not going to listen to any of your prayers? You know what, you know what I kind of think? I believe probably if God wasn't listening, we'd, some of us would pray harder than if we, since we know he's listening because we'd be trying to get through. What if we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and God never listened to one single word, but we have been invited We've been invited to come into his presence today and to, and to sing him a song, to give him some worship, and he says he'll listen, and he'll enjoy it, and he'll inhabit our praises. And, and we've been encouraged you know, to come and to, to bring our petitions to him, to, as the word says, to boldly approach the, the throne of God's grace and to bring whatever needs that we have. We've been invited to do that. What an amazing blessing that we have. And I think we, we see that more when we realize what would it be like without that. And what about the church? What if Christianity had no church? I don't mean what if all the churches closed down today. What if, I mean what if it had never been? What if there was no church today? What if there was no church for you to go and, to, and to, to be around other Christians, to hear stories like you just heard a few moments ago, to have people like our prayer team pray with you, to, to stand back there and, you know, and, and you know, kind of chat a little bit with somebody who's not talking about something you don't need to hear, but maybe it's talking about some good, just, just being around people or like small groups that incidentally launch next week, you know, to have the opportunity to, to, to find a place, a small group where you can go and you can sit and you can ask a question, get your questions answered, and, and you, can be, you can be encouraged or challenged. Sometimes we need to be challenged too. Amen? I mean, we do. We need somebody to challenge us. And, and, and imagine we didn't have any of that. We didn't have a church that we could go to. We didn't have a place to go. We didn't have a small group to go to. We didn't have a, a growth track, which is launching in a couple of weeks, a brand new growth track that you need to, that you need to get in. We, we don't have that. Imagine we don't have any of that, and that helps us understand how blessed we are to have church. But as much as that is a blessing, as all this that is available to us, if we don't avail ourselves of it, then we're in no better shape than those who don't have it. I mean, if, if we're not reading the Word of God, then we're, we're not in any better shape than somebody in another country that does not have the Word of God. If, if we're not attending church with a, with, a, with a means to reach out and, and, and to be committed so that others can be committed back to us, then we're really in no better shape than people in parts of the world that don't have a church that they can get to and attend. If we're, not, if we're not availing ourselves of the invitation to come into the presence of God, then we're not in any better shape than those who have never heard that God says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, and approach the throne room of grace with boldness and receive help in your time of need. We're no better off than those who don't know about it. You know what, I think, I think sometimes, you know what we do is, is, is we treat it like we treat the Word of God or we treat these opportunities kind of like, kind of like you know, just the blessing instead of actually getting the blessing. Imagine, imagine Donald Trump sends you a letter this week and he in, invites you to come to the White House. Anytime you want to come, just show up and I'm going to give you a personal tour and I'm going to spend time with you all day long, whatever you want to do. You know, open invitation. And you get that and, and, and you open it and say, man, that's amazing. And, you, you know, you lay it on the nightstand or maybe you lay it in the living room on, or maybe uh, on the coffee table or maybe on the dining room table because you want everybody that comes to your house to see that you have an invitation to be at the White House anytime you want to be there. But you just leave it there instead of actually taking the invitation and going to the White House. Wouldn't that be crazy? But that's what we do, don't we? When we have all of this in our availability and we don't avail ourselves of it, then we're no better than the ones who don't have it. 
We've got to take advantage of this. God's already given it. Okay, you need, you need some more proof? Okay, here's, I think here's the proof. God's already given us everything we need. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, all right? By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. That's right out of the Word of God. That's just not my, my, you know, my thoughts here today. That's right out of the Word of God, that God has already given us everything we need for a godly life. Now, you may say, well, that doesn't say the dream that God has for our life. No, but no, it doesn't say those particular words. It says a godly life. See, one of the things we've got to realize is, is we'll never get all of the dream of what God is dreaming, living our life the way we want to without thinking about all. But when we start thinking about what God is dreaming, then we've got to start thinking about the way to get to that is by living the godly life. And it's already inside, it's already inside of you. It's already right there. Everything we need. God has already given us everything we need. But to get to that, we're going to have to turn some things upside down. We are going to have to just, some of you got to have to be turned. I mean, all of us, if you haven't had it happen to you yet, it's got to happen, okay? you got to be turned upside down because our thinking is upside down. Our, our, our thinking about the, this, this whole thing is, is upside down. And uh, uh, Pierre Teilhard de Chardon says it in a great way right here, all right? We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. You need a moment? You need a moment to think through that for just a moment? You, you, do we need to leave that in there for us to just think about and get that? You see, because most people, even, even Christians, we, we kind of have this idea that, okay, we're, we're, we're physical beings, we're humans. And God has you know, saved us through the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been saved. And so now we get to do some spiritual stuff on Sunday morning for about an hour and 15 minutes or so, an hour and a half. And maybe we'll go to a small group, we get to do a few spiritual things. And, and so that's the attitude we have is we're physical beings that we get to kind of dabble in some spiritual stuff. But that's not who we are. Is that, is, that, is that what the Word of God says about how we were created? No, we're created in the image of God. And God, the Word of God says, he says about himself, I'm a spirit. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We're created in his image. So we're not humans who dabble in, in, in spiritual things on occasion. We are spirit beings who have to deal with physical stuff, human type stuff. That's who we are. That's what God, so, so we got we to flip this thing upside down because we're many times thinking that we're having to dig through, we're having to find, and we're having to ask God, God, create this for me, create that. God, I really need this. And we're thinking that God's got to create to give it to us. No, it's already provided. It's already there. And what happens is Adam and Eve were created in his image, but they chose to follow a very fleshly path and become human and, and forget and miss. And, and so that's the way we grow up and we don't realize that we're not humans with the spiritual experience. We're spirit beings with a 70, 80, maybe 90 plus year physical experience, right? I mean, you're, you're, who you are is going to exist a lot longer than your body is going to exist. Who you are inside of here, you're a spirit being. And so you got to flip all this upside down and say, wait a minute, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a man who has all this stuff. And, I gotta, I, and God's got to teach me about the Spirit. No, you are a spirit being, and God just has to teach you how to deal with that physical, fleshly, human stuff. Because that's what we deal with. Most of us aren't messing up spiritually. We're messing up physically. We're messing up in our emotions. 
We're mess, messing up in, our choo- in the choosing and the way we live our life, this physical life. And so we've got to understand that we're spirit beings and that everything we need to have the life God dreamed we would have has already been provided. And Simon Peter, as we uh, just read his word just a moment ago, as he wrote 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, God's already given us everything we need. He doesn't leave us there. But he goes down a couple of verses later, beginning at verse 5, and he tells us about this, all these things that God has given to us. Okay, so let's, let's, let's look there for a second. Chapter 1, this is verse 5, just two verses down. In view of all this, okay, God's given us everything. So in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So if he's given us all this, make every effort. Or some translations of, of the Greek there says, give diligence to, to go after these things, you got to be, because I, I know part of what we do is, you know, we, we, it's like we see ourselves as humans, and now we're going to dabble in some spiritual stuff a little bit here and there, and we're kind of just waiting on God to just make it all happen, but, but Simon Peter is telling us right here, no, you've got to give diligence to this. You are a spirit being, and you've got some awesome stuff that God has already put inside of you, everything you need for this life that God is dreaming you will have but you've got to go after it. You don't just sit back and wait for it to happen. You've got to go after it. And I know what we really want to do is we really don't want to jump from, you know, from step one to step 200 or whatever, right? We want to go all the way from A to Z. We don't want to worry with B, C, D, E, and F and all the rest of those. We want to just, just do it, right? But come on, let me, let me ask you grandparents. You help me right here, okay? I'm a granddad, right? Help me here. How many of you want a 30-year-old grandson? That's what you really want someone to give you. Or a 30-year-old granddaughter. That's not what you want. You know, yesterday, Dave and I, we got the privilege of, of, of watching it. We got, a, you know, we got a new grandbaby, you know, and we got to watch little Adeline at our house. It was her one-month birthday, and, and me and Adeline, we had a nice little nap together. She just lay, laid right here and just rested, and we just slept together. And, and you know what? That's about all she can do these days, you know, eat, poop, and sleep. You know, that's about it, right? But that was awesome to enjoy that. I don't want a 30-year. One day, yeah, I want a 30-year. But I don't want her to show up 30 years old. I want to enjoy that, right? And Dave and I had, uh, on Friday, had the uh, opportunity to take uh, Brooklyn and Colin, uh, two of our other grandkids, uh, uh, take them out. And we were, we were out by Creek and Colin, man, he had on a brand new coat. And Dave had to take it home and wash it because, man, he was digging in the dirt and in the mud. And he was just picking up all these rocks over muddy because it's right out of the mud, you know. And just covered in mud. She had to take pictures of him. We just had, uh, Dave sent, sent a picture to Kristen and told us, I think Colin has found his happy place, you know, to be out here. And, and you know, I don't, I don't want to skip that. That's what life is. You know what? That's the way God looks at it too. He doesn't want you to go from A to Z. He wants to live with you this journey that is going to happen as you begin to grow and you begin to find that he has already put inside of you everything you need to get to this life that God dreams you will have. Okay? So let's look at it right here. All right, let's read this first of all, and then we're going to back up, and we'll spend pretty much the rest of the sermon looking at these words right here. Supplement your faith or, or, or add to your faith uh, a generous uh, provision of moral excellence, and supplement that moral excellence with knowledge, and supplement the knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Okay, so where does it begin? He begins with faith. You know why he begins with faith? Because that's where everything begins with God. 
You, you cannot come to God unless you come to him in faith. Hebrews, and there's a scripture, and actually if you go to the uh, Connect page, if you go to the Connect page, thank you. If you go to the Connect page, uh, church2911.com slash connect, and you click on my sermon notes, you'll find uh, there's probably more content there that's not in the sermon actually being delivered to you today than there is any, any other Sunday, there's a lot that's there. And there's the actual scriptures if you want to look at them. They're there on the, on the, the sermon notes. Hebrews 11, 6, it is impossible to please God without faith. Okay, so that's where we all begin. In Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. And if you've been here uh, the last few weeks, if you've been here in the, in the last three months probably, you've heard me say this is the way I interpret, pretty much, paraphrase, uh, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, that, that it's basically saying the way to come to know Jesus is just believe, or, or the way to become a Christian is just believe, the way to, to, to start following him is just to believe Jesus is exactly who he says he is, that that's what faith is. And so the walk with God begins, the walk following Christ begins with this faith that says, I believe Jesus is exactly who he says he is. But it doesn't end there. Okay, now it's got to go into that progression. It's got to go into that lifetime of, of learning and getting to know God, and God getting to know, and, and you discovering that everything you need for the life God dreams for you has already been provided for you. Okay, so here's what he says. He says, supplement this faith with moral excellence. Okay, now, I think when we, when we hear morality, moral excellence, that kind of a thing, when we hear that, I think what we, we normally think about is like ringing a bell. Ding, got it. I did it, you know, I am morally excellent. You know, today I did not sin, right? Ding, I did a good job, right? You know, uh, I was tempted to do this and I didn't do it. Ding, I, you know, I hit, I rang the bell, you know, I hit the mark, you know, everything was good, I didn't, didn't sin. And that's not what this is talking about right here. It's not talking about ringing the bell because, you know, when you look back, you look back at, at, the, at the New Testament with Jesus and, and you hear his teachings, you hear uh, uh, his disciples as they taught what he had taught them, and, and you read all those things, you read what Paul has written, and even you see the examples of Jesus having to deal with the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, and all those people. You see, you see all of this, and, and here's one of the lessons that we learn is it, anybody can ring the bell, ding, you know, and say, oh, I look holy today, ding, yet inside sometimes... Those people may be full of jealousies and hatreds and, and even murders. Maybe they wouldn't commit a murder with their hand, but they'll commit it with their tongue or whatever. And inside, they've got all this. Thing. I mean, we even see that around today, that people can look like they're doing everything right. Ding, I rang the bell. But inside, it's not really happening there. But here's what this Greek word means about this moral excellence. The, the Greek words here, what it's really talking about is it's talking about the, a moral energy with which we pursue Christian graces. That, that, that what it's really talking about is it's not talking about ringing the bell, ding. It's talking about actually pursuing it with a passion. You know, uh, if, and you, you've, you've got to go after it. You've got to have passion because, you know, if you're dead, you'll always just kind of go with the flow. You know, the only thing that can go against the flow is something that's alive. And so if you're going to go against the flow of maybe of what you've always grown up, I'm human, you know, and no, you're not a human. Turn that upside down. That's not who you are. Fight against the flow. you got to go against the flow. And to go against the flow, you got to have that passion, that moral zeal to, to go after this. So it's not, about, it's not about ringing a bell. It's not about, you know, uh, appearing to be holy or that. It is about having a passion and a desire for the moral excellence that God has already put inside of you. Because once you, once you start realizing what's 
that's already inside of you, it's going to impact everything that is on the outside of you, okay? And so with moral excellence, add to, add to that knowledge, okay? And, and it's not just like knowledge, like info of knowing, right, uh, knowing what is the right answer to this or, or those kinds of things. It's not that. But like Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 says, the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So it's not just knowledge about God. But it's like knowledge of God's will. It's about knowledge of God's, uh, of God's plan of salvation. And, and where, where is this knowledge? How do we find this knowledge? Well, you know, are you getting this? What I'm telling you is that God has already provided. Yeah, it's in the, it's in the Word of God. Yes, it's, it's in a small group where you can study and you can iron and sharpening iron. You know, that's what the Bible talks about us as we talk to one another and encourage one another. It's like we're iron sharpening iron and working one another and challenging one another and growing growing stronger, growing closer, getting to know more, uh, more, more of those things. But it, and it's not just knowing the info, though. It's about knowing how to use that, about how that impacts my life about how that impacts my decisions, about, uh, about what is right and what is wrong, and then what to do with that. Not just knowing the right answer, but knowing what to do with that. It's like, like not just getting the degree in college, but then knowing how to take that and apply it and make a living out of it. Okay, that's what, that's what this knowledge is talking about. Okay, and so then he says, uh, supplement your knowledge with self-control. Now, when we talk about self-control, this is what we're talking about, keeping passions in check, curbing those inappropriate appetites, you know, and, and that doesn't just mean food, but for some of you, that may mean food, you know. It could be any of the appetites that you have, any of the emotions and passions and, and the stuff, you know, and, and these things, these days, it seems like there's, you know, just tons of idols and things that you can worship. I mean, you can, you can obsess over just about anything in your life, and so any of those things that, that, that take up time that they shouldn't be taken up, that take up place that it shouldn't be taken up. It, that's what self-control is, is saying no. It's like curbing those appetites. Okay, I've got to address a heresy here, okay, because it's, I hadn't had a chance to address this one in a long time. I got, and a heresy just means a false teaching, all right? There is a false teaching. It's not a new one. It's been around for a long time. But there's, a, there's a heresy or a false teaching out there that, that, that when you get liberty, then you are now free from having to have self-control. And that, and that could be nowhere near the truth because the truth is that self-control is the essence of liberty. You see, because here's what happens when you get liberty. Yeah, okay, you've been living as a human until you came to know Christ. You've been living as a human. We've got to turn that upside down. You're not a human. You're a spirit being, but you've been living as a human. And living as a human, you've been subject to all of the, all of the stuff around you. You're making decisions based on your circumstances. You're making decisions based on your emotions. You're making decisions based on those appetites we were talking about a few moments ago. You're making decisions based on all those kinds of things. So what Christ does is he gives you liberty, meaning he sets you free from that stuff. So see, beforehand, you know, you had all kinds of things that were planting seeds of weeds in your garden to grow into your life. Now Christ has delivered you from that, and now you're in charge of the garden. That's what, that's what liberty is. It puts you in charge of the garden. You're now choosing what you're putting into your, into your garden. You're choosing what is going to grow. If it's going to be good stuff that's growing, or you're going to sow some weeds. 
I mean, a lot of us, we sow weeds, you know. Like, like the old preacher said, we, we sow weeds all of our life and then pray God won't let them grow, you know. That ain't how it works, you know, that what you sow, we're going to reap. But uh, you've been given liberty, and when you've been given liberty, you've given this liberty over your garden, now you're in control. You get to choose what's going to grow in your life next week, next month. It's not up to somebody else. It's not up to your passions because you have been given liberty over that. You now have self-control. You get to choose what it's going to look like. That's why it doesn't matter anymore. I, and I've got a little quote here for you. Uh, and, and Ellicott, when he gets to this point, he, he is, his writing is, writes a commentary. And when, when he gets to this point in the scripture, he says, in other words, your discerning between good and evil must lead to avoiding the evil and choosing the good. You know, see, all these things build on each other. So, so what he's saying is, we just, you know, Simon Peter just talked about knowledge, and now we're talking about self-control. And so what he's saying is, in other words, at this point we get right here, this self-control issue is about the knowledge too. It's not enough to just know what is right and wrong. Now you've got to be self-controlled to choose the good and to shun the evil so that you're planting and you're sowing good stuff in your life so good things can happen. What are we talking about this morning? We're talking about the fact that you already have everything you need to, uh, to, to build the life God is dreaming for you. And now we're talking about this self-control that you have so that you're in control. Nobody else is going to decide to plant something that's going to destroy your marriage. You get to decide. Nobody's going to plant something that will destroy your health. You get to decide. Nobody else can plant something in your life that's going to de- destroy you know, your finances. You get to decide this. You've been given liberty. So now take that self-control to choose these right things in your life. Choose these right things so that you have them because that's what the knowledge is for. And so you can do this. Okay, so now we're going to supplement self-control. We're going to add to that. Next slide is patient endurance. Patient endurance. Okay, this is Ellicott, the guy we just read a quote from. This is right after that because he's talking about these verses. He says, patience to the world is to accept loss and suffering. To the Christian, it is to win the best of prizes. Okay, imagine. You know, Think about kids, of course, you know, granddad. So, you know, uh, sports and, and grandkids are two of my big subjects, you know, if you're looking for examples, right? Okay, so here, here I am, a granddad. And so I get, I get my grandkids together and put them in the car, you know, and I'm taking them to Buffalo Wild Wings, and we're getting dessert nachos. Just, Judy, I think you're the only one that laughed. The rest of y'all hadn't tried dessert nachos? You guys need to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and try the dessert nachos. These things are awesome. I wish I could remember everything that was in them because it's just a, it's just a smorgasbord of good, sweet, cold, and hot, and everything. Some of it's fried even too. Okay, so now I got some of you didn't right with that. And imagine we're on our way, and then one of my grandkids says, "Hey, Pop, can I have this chocolate chip cookie I found in the back seat? Because that happens in my car a lot." Okay. <laughs> It's not something I put there, but it's something that was left over from last time they were riding in the car, right? Can I have this? And I can tell you, there's one particular of my grandkids that is going to be the one that's probably going to find it. He's going to have, he won't eat anything that's touched anybody else's mouth, but he'll eat a cookie that he found you know, stuck, crammed in the seat of my car. You know, can I eat the, you know? And so when I tell him, no, 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 don't do that, he thinks that's accepting loss and suffering. I don't get to eat the chocolate chip cookie that I found. But what he doesn't know is, man, I'm about to take you to eat the most amazing dessert you have probably put, ever put in your mouth. He doesn't understand to be patient is to win the best of prizes. And so, so here, here's, here's you know, what Ellicott is pointing out to us is that, is that the world, humans, 
People who live and think that they're humans who dabble in spiritual stuff. So I'm even talking about Christians too, okay, guys? I'm talking about those of you who don't realize you're not just a human. You are a spirit being. If you don't realize that, then every time you think you have to have patience, you think, oh, no, yeah, I've just got to accept laws. No, you're, not, you're missing it. Because those of you who realize I am a spirit being, there is something better that is coming down the road, better than this old chocolate chip cookie that's been stuck in this, stuck in this seat for a while. There is something better that is coming down the road. Patient endurance. Because, and like Hebrews 5 and 14 says, by standing firm you will win your souls. Patient endurance doesn't mean sitting and just accepting everything, anything that comes. What patient endurance really is, is it is competing with patience. It doesn't mean sitting back and saying, well, whatever. no, it means fighting. It means battling. It means going after. It means having the passion that whatever God has dreamed for my life, for my family, for my future, I'm going to get. And I'm going to fight today. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to have the endurance and the patience to fight tomorrow. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to fight tomorrow. That's what patient endurance is. It is going after it and going after it and going after it. And you might say, I- I'm just so tired. Well, th- that's because you've been living as a human dabbling in spirit thing. If you will flip that upside down, what you're going to find is God has already put this inside of you. He's already given to you the ability to hang on and hang in there until you see that amazing best of prizes that God has dreamed to put in your life. And so what God says then is then he says supplement, next slide, supplement, Patient endurance with godliness. Man, once you get there, you're here. Godliness. What does godliness mean? It means godlike. Like Christian means to be like Christ or to be a follower of Christ. Godlike. Godliness. Godliness. It means, it means choosing as God would choose. It means speaking as God would speak. It means acting as God would act. Well, we've kind of already talked about all that, hadn't we? Yeah. Because as we begin getting all those things and digging all those things out of our life, because they're already in us, as we begin digging all those things out of our life, what we realize is, Now we're becoming more and more godly. And supplement godliness with brotherly love. You see, now, if you're godly, how how do people know that you're godly or that you're like God or that you're like Jesus? Jesus says it. There's a scripture, right? Is it up there? Jesus said it. He says, this is how people will know you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. People will know that you are godlike, that you are like Jesus, that you are Christian, Christ-like, that you are Christian because you have love for one another, the brothers, the sisters, the family of God. Forget them for just a moment, okay? I'm not going to leave them out for long, but just forget them for a moment. I'm talking about right here, right there. That's how, it's like, a, it's like a meter. It's like a gauge. I know I'm a Christian because of the way I feel about other Christians. Now, if you got this attitude of like, do I have to sit by them today or whatever, you know, that kind of thing, then you need to check your godliness meter. Something's not right, you know. Uh, you know, I, oh, man, do I have to talk to them? I don't want to go to that small group. They're going to be a part of that small group. Maybe you start having those kinds of attitudes and ideas and things like that. You need to check your godliness meter. Now it's there. It's there. It's inside of you. But you've got to make sure you keep digging it out. Don't let the physical stuff cover over that spirit being that you are and all of those things, okay? And if you get this right, and Bingo says, uh, if we get all the natural affections correct, and what are the natural affections? Like brotherly love, that's a natural affection. Your mom, you know, loving your parents or your parents loving their kids, loving your siblings. When we get all those natural affections right, agape is going to be easy, which is the last one. Supplement brotherly love then with the love for everyone. And so this journey of Christianity begins with faith, and its fulfillment is love. And we, want, we might want to jump, and, and we might be wondering, why, why don't I have that kind of love? Well, maybe you heard today. Maybe it's, there's some of those things. They're inside of you. 
Self-control. Knowledge. Moral excellence. They're inside of you, but maybe they're still covered up. You just need to find them and dig them out. It's okay. Now, now here's what being a guy I mentioned just a moment ago. And listen, most, most of these names I'm just taking a stab at. I, don't, I, I didn't know these guys, right? Because they lived a long time. They died before I, I, I lived also. Johann Albrecht Bengel. He, he got to the end of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, and he turned it all around and backed up with it. He says in reverse order, and I've adapted this a little bit because he didn't write in English. In reverse order, he who has love already exercises brotherly kindness. See how we're going backwards? He who has brotherly kindness is already pursuing godliness. The godly will battle patiently. And to the patient, self-control is easy. Oh, man, that's, that is good. When you've got, when you've got, uh, when you've got uh, patience, then self-control is easy. And to the, self, the self-controlled ponders things deeply, and so they have knowledge because they ponder so deeply. And knowledge guards against sudden impulse carrying away its virtue, not acting on the impulses of it. That's good, but see, that's, that's how it's showing all of these things fit together. And it's not like God has said, oh, do this, do this, do this. No, no, no. He has put inside you godliness because you were created in his image. And now, uh, what you've got to do is you've got to, you've got to uncover that. You've got to flip it on its head. You've got to quit seeing yourself as a human and start seeing yourself as a spirit being created in his image that we're having to put up with this humanity for 70, 80, 90 plus years, some of you, Right? We just have to put it, you got to flip that on. Okay, one, one last little thought, kind of tie this together, I hope, and really kind of help you see all of this, is let's talk a little bit about butterflies and caterpillars. Okay, y'all ever seen one? You've seen a butterfly? Seen it? Y'all know what we're talking about, right? Butterflies and caterpillars. Is a butterfly, you know, it's kind of one of those questions, just kind of see how you look at life in a way. You see glass half full or glass half empty kind of a question right here. Is a butterfly, do you see a butterfly as a caterpillar who, found its wings and learned to fly? Or do you see a caterpillar as a butterfly in waiting who soon is going to explore areas and ascend to heights that it never, ever dreamed was possible? Well, you all know which one I pick, don't you? It's a little easy to read between the lines there for me. What do you see? What do you see? Do you see, but do you see the butterfly was a caterpillar that finally made it, or do you see a caterpillar as a butterfly in waiting? of the dream, of the amazing that is going to happen. Psalm chapter 139, verse 16, the psalmist writes, your eyes, talking to God, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Before everything was formed, your eyes saw what my substance would be. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. All of my parts, all of my, all of my you know, and, and, and I may be elaborating a little bit farther beyond this verse because I'm also, I'm also kind of bringing uh, some Jeremiah thoughts in here from the book of Jeremiah, some of the things he wrote and things he said. And, and so what the psalmist is saying and Jeremiah is saying is that, is that God has already chosen, he's already written your, your, your parts and, and, and the things that you can do and, and some of those future things and all those kinds of things. Now, there was a, there was a lady, Molly Webster, a journalist, and, and she was studying, and I, I don't know anything about her other than I've got this one little quote from her, and there's actually a longer part of the quote, again, in my sermon notes on the Connect page if you want to look at that uh, later. But she was, she was kind of looking at this. I don't know if she's writing a story, writing a book, or what she was doing. But she was looking at 
butterflies, caterpillars, chrysalises, or chrysalis, I don't know which that is, okay? But, you know, she was looking at all those kinds of things and, and, and trying to figure out, you know, and, just, and she was amazed by it when she saw this. And, and um, one of the quotes in, in my sermon notes about the goo that was there and the, about seeing all those little pieces that is, are there in the goo. On the outside of the goo is, is you know, these pieces of the wings and, and the limbs, you know, that are there and already there. And, and it so moved her. Here, here's, here's what she wrote, okay? Here's the quote. It's not just what we carry forward from our past into the future. It's the idea, what of my future self is in me right now? See, that's the difference. Do you see yourself, do you see yourself as, as a caterpillar? Do you see yourself as a butterfly? In the same way, do you see yourself as a human who dabbles in spiritual stuff for an hour and a half on Sunday morning and maybe in a small group? Or do you see yourself as a child of God created in His image? that you are a spirit being, that this is just 70, 80, maybe a few more years that you're going to be, a, be in this human existence, but that you have an amazing future way beyond this, and that, and that God has already written all of these things. Every, there's nothing that you have to really chase after because they're already inside of you, all the things that we preached about this morning. You just got to uncover them because just like the butterfly you know, that you're, you're bound by all this stuff that's around you, all this humanity that is around you. You just got to uncover that and say, wait a minute, that's not who I am. I'm not a caterpillar waiting to be a butterfly. I'm a butterfly. I'm a, I'm a butterfly. I'm ready to see. And, you know, one of the, one of the cool things about, about the difference there, and I think it really kind of shows some of that humanity and spirit thing also, is that, is that a butterfly is dealing, and we all have to deal with stuff, right? But this butterfly has to deal with things like gravity, friction. You ever seen a butterfly walk? You ever watched a butterfly, I'm sorry, you ever watched a, a, a caterpillar walk? You ever seen a caterpillar, you ever seen how slow they go, you know? And like for them to get up a tree, you ever watch one get, I know you haven't watched one climb all the way up a tree unless you saw it in time-lapse photography or something, right? You know, because they go so slow and they're having to deal with that. But what is it, you know what a butterfly does? The butterfly has to deal with the same laws of gravity and those things. But you know what a butterfly does? When, when wind blows, what does a butterfly just sets its wings against the wind and then takes off even higher? You know, that, that, yeah, the caterpillar has to deal with the physical, but the butterfly realize I'm no longer a cat. I'm a, I'm a butterfly, and it's dealing with the physical in a totally different way. So, so a human is dealing with the physical, and a spirit being that we are. We deal with the physical loss, but we deal with it in totally different ways because we deal with it in a way that we have been liberated from the laws of like gravity and some of those things. We've been liberated where we're not having to, having to be brought under subjection to them, but, but by the liberty of God, we have been put in a place where we can soar over them. We, we can handle them. We can deal with them because of what he has done inside of us. So, so this morning, what I, I want to really challenge you to come to grips with is for you to decide, are you a caterpillar? Are you a butterfly? Are you a human who dabbles with spiritual stuff every once in a while? Or are you a child of God created in his image and you have all of these things inside of you just waiting to explode so that God's dream for your life can happen? Which is it? You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer requests by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.